I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is the 10th of November. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business markets, startups. I'm Nadine Blaney and I'm here with David Scott. Yeah, and uh, welcome to the program. This must be your first time, I think. <laughs> I've uh, been on this bike before, but not lately. And uh, I got to say, it's nice to see you at this time of day, Scotty, to wrap what happened out there on markets. And in terms of the S&P ASX 200, the local market, yeah, pretty negative, pretty soggy to match the weather here in Sydney. New podcast host, but uh, yeah, unfortunately the same outcome. Uh, another really soggy session. We did manage to go and try and crawl back towards the other close, mm-hmm. but uh, just been you know, thematic of what we've seen the entire this week. Uh, no, no ability to go and push higher, uh, but no real willingness to go and sell off. Uh, there is a fair degree of nervousness out there, though. You can just see what's going around the Asian region today that uh, there's a bit of a uh, risk coming off the table. Well, let's then talk about that. So how much of it do you think has to do with that data out of China today? Well, it just reinforces that uh, I know there's two speeds when it comes to what's going on with the inflationary picture there. And it does feed into that stagflation because clearly from the consumer side of the equation, if you take the figures uh, face value, yeah. uh, it looks like economic growth is really soft, like horribly soft. Yeah. But then on the flip side, you no, know, the uh, producer prices, well, just you know, supply chain bottlenecks, no, no, trying to go and get orders off overseas. And uh, no, 26-year highs on an annualised basis for uh, producer prices. A lot of it, yes, is commodity prices, but it uh, does suggest that, no, potentially, no, you've got this really you know, conundrum where you've got you know, lots of price pressures going overseas, but then China's domestic economy is weak. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting brief that bears watching. Uh, now, it came up in our last conversation with Con Michalakis. You guys were having a bit of fun with forecasting 2022 already. Hey, I think it's a little early, but, you know. Says the, <laughs> says the girl who was talking about the Santa Claus rally. Well, Santa Claus is before 2022, i got to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, at least it is. We know so. Um, but it was interesting to me that you mentioned Lael Branyard. And uh, she had a little bit of a job interview with uh, the U.S. President Joe Biden. I think it was last week. And so there is chatter that she could be appointed U.S. Fed chair instead of Jay Powell. Now, this is what I thought was interesting. I read a thread this morning on the Twitter uh, that was talking about these assumptions that Lael Brenyard is dovish, ultra dovish, more dovish. Mm-hmm. And this person was surmising that that's what they said about Janet Yellen too, that she was dovish, more dovish, when, he says, there's actually not a lot of evidence to point to that fact. And he reckons that it's because they're women. Look... You throw me out of the bus here. I'm not going to go make any. I uh, know. I don't want to talk about no uh, battle of the sexes or no. No, 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 I'm no, not turning no, this. But I think no, she, that she it's an a, interesting point. The way, her, the way that you know, her speeches are clear that she's a dove, and uh, and when you go and look at what the Federal Reserve is already doing, they're so dovish as it is. You do not need to go and tilt further in that direction. No, we had a chat with Prashant Nuana from uh, TD Securities today, and I put it to him like he was talking about illiquidity in the U.S. You know, treasury market. This is the key benchmark curve that says interest rates around the world. 
and um, he's saying like you know there's, there's so little liquidity and then he comes up with this the pearl of a statistic the uh, the Federal Reserve owns over fifty percent of all outstanding treasuries mm-hmm. and it's still buying eighty billion dollars a month so why do we want to go and put someone in charge coming out of the recovery where it's already so hot who would go and keep policy even more accommodating? Well, this is the thing is that apparently, and I would have to go back and read all of her speeches myself and then compare them to other people's speeches. And you know that I don't have time for that, Scuddy. You do know that I don't have time for it. But um, what his thesis was is that she is very measured in the way that she speaks and that she has shown a slow evolution, but she is just very considered and reckons that she's in part behind this very uh, considered way that the U.S. Fed is now talking about things like taper, like rate hikes Mm -hmm. to um, prep the markets. And he said that in hindsight, that if you actually examine Janet Yellen, she, she... didn't turn out to be, nor was she, in fact, more dovish than her predecessor, yeah. Ben uh, Bernanke. Maybe. I just thought it was an interesting... Perception's not tend to the law, and I've yeah. got to say, no, the amount of money that was betting that, no, it was going to be changing leadership to Lael Brainard, just look at what the uh, reaction in the US curve was last night. Real US 10-year yields hit record lows. 30-year yields are at record lows. Uh, this, is a, this is betting the market that uh, if there is a change of leadership, there's no rate increases, ever. Yeah, well... That would not be good. No, not it would not be healthy for yeah. price discovery and uh, no, uh, efficient uh, allocation of capital. Boy, it is uh, scratch head time a lot of the these days. Now, uh, if you want to read Annette's angle on that very topic, you can do so in the COB newsletter. So we'll leave that there. I'm going to get back to equities. Um, we had United Malt Group up by 4%. NAB up by 4% today in the wake of that result yesterday. Look, the consensus seems to be really positive to that result. Many people said it was very clean. Many people said it was boring. That's exactly what you want from a bank. Um, You know, Morgan Stanley says that loan growth potential looks very strong. It is likely to benefit the most from the economic recovery, according to... um, Who said according to? Goldman Sachs. So, yeah, there's a lot of positive reaction to that NAB result coming through yesterday. Yeah. And look, it's, it's obviously renowned for being more, more business orientated. And I agree, like, you know, from a cyclical perspective, uh, you would imagine that, you know, the tailwinds of the economy should go and help out. But that being said, you know, I know firsthand from speaking to people who work in the banking industry that uh, that business banking side is being gunned for. And there is so much pressure coming through. And that's not even talking about some of these new entrants. So the Yeah, new you're talking CBA going after business banking. I, I yeah. know. They, they are hungry for business banking business. They want to go and be in that space and they want to dominate. They want to be the dominant player in this country. And then all the other smaller players who are nipping the buds. The one thing that caught my eye was the other net, net interest margin pressure. It's going to be intense for NAB for a mm-hmm. long time. But look, for the time being, um, market has spoken. It, uh, no, brokers like it. It's up 4% today. We'll see how its trajectory goes longer term. Bit of a painful session for those in the metals and mining space. BHP down by 3%. Fortescue off by 2%. Boy, a lot of the notes I've been reading on iron ore are really quite bearish. Yes. And... Uh, I've got a view coming, so it's forming in my head. But, okay, uh, don't give it I, all away. Don't want to give it away, but uh, I've, I've heard so many discussions on this program about how it's all going to turn around next year after the end of the other uh, Winter Olympics. I feel like I've got enough for no knowledge of this space and been covering it for enough years that I can tell you this is not just an Olympic story. No, but Blue Scope Steel did suffer today, down by 6%. Iron ore prices will... I mean, they, there had to be a reckoning in terms of iron ore pricing from what oh, we saw earlier in the year. Absolutely, and there was a lot of speculative activity that was in there, including the futures market. Futures market largely drives what's going on in the spot market as well, so we, we can't go and dismiss yeah. that. 
Uh, so there was lots of speculative fund flows coming through. But the one thing that, uh, that you need to go and understand with, uh, with iron ore is that the biggest single source of demand of iron ore and steel in China is the property sector. We know what's going on with Evergrande and every mm -hmm. other name under the sun that's there at the moment. Now, President Xi has made it perfectly clear for many, many years now that a property is for living in, not for speculating. If this is the time when the rubber hits the road and this policy is going to be enacted, I'll tell you what, peak steel in China has been seen. Got it. Chalice Mining was up by 5%, so bucking that overall trend, and that's after yesterday's 30, around 30% share price gain. Oh, I wish I was on Chalice. I wish I was. Yeah, me too. You know, we did have a heads up. We yeah. had a heads up months and months ago from Todd Warren at Trebek Investment Partners. I got, tell you, Scotty. Got to go house your family. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, he was talking about that big deposit outside Perth, how rare it is to have it that close to, yeah, infrastructure and everything else. And if I had a dollar for every time, anyhow, let's leave that there. Hey, look, there's lots of sort of corporate stories we could get into. There's some great interviews that you can access via the show notes. Three small caps that are on the move. AGM guidance, talking about Fortescue in that one. And, um, yeah, just, just some more sort of on that interview that you referenced with Prashant Nuhana from TD Security. So really great interviews that everybody should listen to to, to, to learn more. Uh, I'm biased, of course, but there you go. And uh, the stock of the day. Just to keep you hanging, Pushpay, PPH, Michael Wayne from Medallion, Andrew Page from Shaman. Let's take a listen. They're, some of the headline numbers are, are pretty good. It's, yeah. it's one of those companies, whenever you look at their presentation, you see a lot of these very nice uh, upward uh, staircase kind of graphs where they've just sort of, they've done very well for a yeah. long time. Lots of good, consistent uh, sales growth. It's a business that's scaled really nicely as well. Like it's, it's just a good sign of, uh, of how it's sort of scaling pretty effectively. And a net profit up 43%, operating cash flows up 14%. I think you've now got an opportunity to buy it at a, at a more attractive price. And it continues to have a huge market which remains untapped. So it's a business that we've liked for some time. It's one that we're willing to stay the course on, um, mm. I, I think, for now. It's a hold for me. I'm not going to rush in now. Let this sort of volatility play out. And you'll have to listen to that episode of The Call to find out more of their view on push pay holdings. I just saw on Comsec flashing up on my screen, 8 billion in shares. 8 billion shares changed hands today, worth 5.8 billion. 609 skin. stocks rose, 877 fell, 396 finished unchanged. I love those little stats that come through from Comsec. Yeah, not, a lot, of, not a lot of volume going through. So, mm -hmm. yeah, ready to what we will, but uh, certainly, you know, not really going anywhere. I think we're waiting for the next catalyst. Maybe it'll be that inflation report in the States tonight. Well, that's what we are looking for. That's what we're looking out for. Uh, it'll be an interesting one to see. And, uh, yeah, here we go. We're approaching the European close. Uh, open, I should say. Uh, I think we should call it a day. Look, uh, energy looking pretty strong. E-mini futures under a bit of pressure, down by about four-tenths of a percent right now. Um, I just was going to do a little reminder that we're doing a special international shares edition of the call this Friday. If you've got any companies, I mean, it's getting a bit late, but if you've got any companies you'd like us to cover, uh, please do send them in or watch or listen, however you like to consume that program, because uh, I get the feeling we'll be doing this on a more regular basis. Who are our experts? Charlie Aitken is joining us there from Aitken Investment Management and David Lane from Ord Manette. Very nice. Yeah, get your US companies out. So I know Charlie will be able to help you out there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be really, really good. So that's an international edition of The Call this Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern. Scotty, 
How are you getting home today? It's you're gonna get wet if you've got your exercise clothes on. Uh, I'm not sure. Also, what's going on? But yeah, yeah. it's so humid. Uh, we'll go home in a shower. Yeah, <laughs> true, yeah. true, true. But um, be careful if you're on Sydney on the roads out there. I was out a little bit earlier on, and there's plenty of puddles, lots of water planing happening. Have a really good night. Otherwise, see you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.